Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. We are in the home stretch of January. The last half of January is here. February is right around the corner. That's a short month. And then March will be knocking on our doors. That means winter is basically done. And it's, it's been not bad. I mean, there's been a little bit of a cold stretch, but all in all, I mean, compared to last year, this winter has been a breeze. So fingers crossed it stays this way. Speaking of January, though, January 27th in Winnipeg, January 28th in Morden, and January 29th in Dauphin. CWE is putting on three huge shows with special guest AEW Ring of Honor star Matt Taven. So there's those three shows, the 27th, 28th, and 29th. I'm going to be heading to the 20, January 27th show in Winnipeg at uh, Holy Eucharist. Making his return to Winnipeg is my guest this week, Sweet Daddy Soul. Now, Sweet Daddy talks about getting into wrestling, shares some stories, talks about uh, wrestling in Mexico, and almost being a gateway for some Canadian wrestlers to wrestle down there, shares some stories, talks about making his return to Winnipeg, wrestling here, and so much more. So without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Sweet Daddy Soul. Now, January 27th, 28th, and 29th, CWE is putting on three huge shows in Winnipeg, Morden, and Dauphin, and making his return to Winnipeg. Sweet Daddy Soul, how's it going? Great, man. Feeling great. Uh, really excited about coming home. It's been a while, so uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course. When was the last time you wrestled here? Uh, 2018. I did a show for uh, Primo's Wrestling. Okay. It was, um, Jeez, I think it was like the last time they were running shows. And no, they're running shows again, but yeah, I think it was like the last time they did before the pandemic came around. Uh, but yeah, 2018. Like, okay. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, you grew up in Winnipeg, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, I grew up in uh, Elmwood and uh, the Garden City area, North End area. Nice. And uh, yeah, I spent most of my life there. I went back and forth between uh, Alberta and uh, the States. My dad lived um, in the States now, Alberta, a little bit. So I did a little bit of traveling when I was younger and went to school in those places. But I uh, spent most of my life growing up in Winnipeg and um, playing football, playing hockey, you know, the uh, typical Winnipeg things, freezing your butt off in the winter and uh, out there playing sports in the summer kind of thing. So <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the old age or the old thing of, you know, being minus 40 outside and hitting an outdoor rink just to shoot a puck around for a little bit. Absolutely. Good old outdoor rinks, ODRs, as we call them. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, it feels like those are like one of the things that like, you don't have as much of anymore. Like I grew up in the South end. I moved to, uh, I live just off Leela now and there's none around here. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, they, they would always flood the, um, the park at the uh, end of my street, uh, every winter. So I spent a lot of, uh, a lot of winter months skating around at the end of my street, luckily. And then over at the garden city community center, that's where, a lot of uh, 
hockey tournaments uh, took place um, or unsanctioned hockey tournaments for that matter. (laughs) (laughs) All kinds of bad things going on, but you know, that's Winnipeg. It's part of our uh, culture. I feel like there. Yeah. Playing outdoor hockey, drinking Slurpees when it's minus 40. It's one in the same. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. 100%. We uh we talked a little bit before we started recording just about the intro our intros to wrestling and I was ho- yeah. hoping you could share yours for the listener. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I grew up as a fan. Uh just had some cousins that were into wrestling, so that kind of like exposed me a little bit, but I'd mm-hmm. say uh the first time like I really like caught my eye and like I kind of got glued to it was when I saw the rock and um there's like this nation of domination angle on TV and I got really into his promo and some stuff that he was doing and uh, being a, a light skinned uh, black guy myself, uh, you know, we didn't have too many role models growing up. So <laughs> the rock was like, kind of like, you know, the one, uh, one and uh, one of very few, I guess. Grand Fuhrer was another one, you know, mm-hmm. I was a big hockey fan. So goaltender wise, yeah, Grand Fuhrer, but you know, back on the wrestling thing, uh, you know, I got to go to my first show when I was uh, 10 years old. Uh, WWF came to uh, to the old Winnipeg Arena back in 2001. Jericho and um, Stone Cold headlined it. It was pretty incredible. I mean, they didn't even have, like, a stage or anything. You know, they just kind of just came out of, like, this underneath area. And yeah. they had the barricades. And it was super cool, you know. And I think from, like, that day on, I was just kind of just hooked. I mean, more so than I was prior to that. I mean, because when you see it on TV, I mean you're hooked right but then i think once you kind of like go to a live show it just uh kind of changes how you feel about it mm-hmm. one way or another anyway but for me it was like you know just getting an opportunity to go to a live event was really what like really um made me fall in love with it i guess yeah it i think it's one of those things where what even if it's not like a huge you know big wwf show or anything but even just going to a local show and you see yeah. the excitement that the kids have you know like they're mm-hmm. right up into it everyone is larger than life for them it's just a great uh great opportunity for them yeah it's funny you mentioned that um just kind of brought back a memory i think it was i was playing hockey when i was seven for uh the garden city community center and there was a tournament we had at vince lee and they had uh cwf wrestling by uh ernie todd i think he's a promoter at the time and uh they actually gave us free tickets i got to go see a show there but the only thing i remember from that is like being like 30 rows back in a tiny gym and like being so many like adults in front of me and i'm not being <laughs> able to see anything but you know just just going back to that like it's just being a young kid the energy around that like i can kind of remember just how exciting it was like even like a, just an indie show i mean uh the kids really eat it up i mean it's one thing i love about performing is just the uh the kids i mean they just really 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 enjoy it and uh, um you know they get right into it and you know it kind of helps us uh performers out there get into it a little bit extra when we see like the little kids it just you know brings us back to like us being those little kids and going crazy whether it's on the tv or right in front of us so mm-hmm. you know um but yeah so it's one of those things where these kids like they might never make it to like a big show so for them like this could be the big show so i mean you see the smiles on their faces you guys can feed off of them and it's just a great uh a great time all around absolutely yeah you know in indie wrestling's a different dynamic than uh than the big shows 
of course. Yeah. I mean, it's just a little bit more face to face. You know, you, you kind of see the wrestlers more close. You know, they're walking around and, you know, walking through the the chairs or whatever, you know, depending on the type of venue you have. And, um, you know, th those, uh, those relationships, I mean, I haven't been around forever, but I've um, been around for almost eight years now. And just seeing some of these kids, uh, some of these promotions actually grow up. You know, it's kind of interesting, <laughs> you know, and, they, you know, they're fans of you from when they're a kid and they're teenagers, still wearing your shirts and still supporting us. And uh, that's really, really cool. The really cool thing about indie wrestling is just, you know, in your local community, you know, you are you are heroes to some of those kids and you know, they really look up to you. And, you know, a lot of them will ask questions like, you know, how can I do this one day? Mm -hmm. And. You know, I'm always reluctant to kind of share that information with uh, those kids, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's really a rewarding experience, especially for somebody like me who's um, grown up in a big family and uh, definitely appreciates uh, having little cousins and and uh, nieces and nephews and stuff like that. So, well, I mean, you mentioned when you first got into it, but what was it that drew you to actually want to become a wrestler? You know, I think the showmanship, um, I really enjoyed uh, forms of acting when I was in school and stuff like that prior to actually seeing wrestling. Um, being able to do things that are athletic, um, just that total package, I think that kind of fits my personality a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I know definitely uh, just playing other sports and, and stuff like that, wanting to continue to maintain an active lifestyle was something that really intrigued me about it when I started to explore actually getting into it um of course when you're a kid you know I want to be a wrestler you don't really know how to get into it or anything you just kind of just you know have that dream in your head but you know if it wasn't for playing all the sports and stuff like that um or being in or around drama classes and things of that nature uh in school I don't think I would have ever gotten into it um I think kind of owe it to having a little bit of a background to kind of help me uh, get into doing it. Um, Cause I certainly was not somebody that picked up everything immediately or uh, felt like a fish out of water in a wrestling ring right away or anything. It was very uh, unorthodox to me, I think much like it is for most people, but mm -hmm. um, you know, it was just a very interesting process getting into it. Um but yeah, just having that background and stuff from sports, is, you know, really helped me, at least from my own experience. Mm -hmm. When you first thought, like, decided to go to training, um, where did you go? So I actually started in Winnipeg. Um, AJ Sanchez is my first trainer. Um, so he's a pretty well-known local guy. Um, AJ, uh, Danny Duggan uh also helped with my training um and basically uh started out in aj's garage um so that was an interesting process of knocking out every light in that garage because <laughs> you know i'm not the shortest person in the world i'm a little on the taller side so mm -hmm. uh <laughs> the let's just say the roof didn't really uh fit my height so um yeah that was fun but uh really rewarding um you know just uh minus 40 weather and uh really really cold and it was a tiny ring it's like a really small tony candela ring in a garage so it was pretty cool humble beginnings <laughs> <I didn't laughs> train for wrestling um and then you know it kind of just 
grew from there. Like they eventually got a facility that guys were able to come and train a few times a week and stuff like that. So my first year was a lot of uh, random training sessions and refereeing on shows, PCW, CWE shows. Um, but, uh, you know, you get some training in before a show sometimes, you know, maybe a couple of guys would, you know, go around the ropes, do some stuff with you uh, that were in from out of town. So you kind of got like your training in that way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whenever AJ could train. So uh, that's kind of how I broke in um, later on. Obviously, uh, I went and got uh, more um, more of a uh, training school, per se. But uh, that was my beginnings was uh, just the local thing in Winnipeg and just, you know, trying to pick up as much as I could as a referee and uh, bouncing around at shows and trying to introduce myself. <laughs> I mean, you were able to learn from like someone who's known all across Canada. And I mean, even in the States, Mexico, I mean, AJ is quite the wrestler himself and he's really made a name for himself. So to be able to learn from someone like him, it's a it's a good stepping stone for yourself to to get a start in, the, in wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, AJ's wrestled quite a few places um, internationally. Um, you know, he's he's a well-known guy. People respect him and stuff. And, um, you know, I'm not the only guy he's trained. There's there's quite a few now. Um, I'm part of his, like, first crop of guys, myself yeah. and uh, Roy Dragneel. But, uh, or sorry, I should, shouldn't forget. Um, oh, geez. O'Doyle rules. Kevin O'Doyle. <laughs> <I forgot. laughs> uh, yeah, so the three of us. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as far as I've learned about the other two, they've done quite well for themselves over there. Uh, but, uh, you know, AJ is continuing to train guys and stuff like that. And um, everybody that I've, you know, kind of met in passing and stuff like that so it seems to be doing all right for themselves too. So, I mean, that only speaks to AJ's training. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, he's a really good guy and stuff like that. So uh, I still you know, keep in touch with them and looking forward to actually seeing them uh, next week there. So when you look back at how you first got your start, you know, training in like a garage basically to now when you have full fledged schools dedicated to training, do you ever like kind of look back and be like, things have definitely changed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there was no schools in Alberta. Uh, I think mpw had a school I mean, that, that would be one anyway and i don't mm-hmm. recall there being any in bc when i first started uh there might have been but i mean now we've got between manitoba and bc i want to say there's like seven or eight places to go train now yeah which is really really quite a bit uh i mean it's just a night and day difference really i mean i remember when i first started it was kind of like okay you go to lance storms or go and find someone locally to try to get your foot in the door and try Mm -hmm. to go learn something. And I mean, for Canadians, I know that it's been like that for a long time where we haven't had any like really good place to go and train. So it's really nice to see that now, at least based on some of the history searching I've done. And the States has kind of always kind of had that, like kind of always could have kind of found somewhere to go train down there. But up here, yeah, it's just a night and day difference. I mean, after the pandemic just seemed like every corner was either opening up a wrestling school or a promotion in some ways. I mean, obviously not every corner, but I mean, there's not too many corners in Canadian cities as there is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not the biggest country in the world, but uh, yeah. So 
just a really interesting process uh, that it's uh, took it upon. And I mean, it's such a huge benefit to so many Canadian wrestlers as you're seeing a lot of more, a lot more Canadian wrestlers on television nowadays as, as opposed to before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so many more have, you know, taken that step where they're just below the cusp of like breaking through when you look at, you know, just how talented some of the wrestlers are, you know, I mean, uh, I'll say like a Sean Moore, for example, you know, who just, wrestled down in Mexico last year. I know you were a part of that, but like, he's one of those guys who is just so incredibly talented and you're just waiting for like to just break through to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of guys that came down to Mexico, uh, that I, uh, I guess the best word would be facilitated, mm -hmm. uh, getting, uh, them on shows and connecting them with people and, doing all that sort of stuff, uh, which is a really rewarding experience. Uh, and Sean, as you mentioned, I mean, uh, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who uh, deserves to be, you know, somewhere, signed by somebody. Mm -hmm. But then again, like, um, it's not to say that being an independent wrestler is something that's frowned upon. I no. mean, uh you know, at the same token, you you have independent wrestlers that have really made a name for themselves and and really kind of took in the business to a, a almost like a reverse kind of like back to like territory days where, you know, you can go and make a pretty decent living for yourself as long as you learn how to market yourself and advertise yourself. I mean, you can kind of build your own niche audience now with social media and mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys out there who are an example of, of doing that. And um, I think Sean's just one, one break away from being where he belongs and at least having the type of recognition that goes with uh, being recognized as a star in the wrestling world. So, and, and, and with, uh, with that being said, I mean, like there's, there's also a lot of other guys too, uh, with you mentioning Sean Moore, I mean, Lil Blay, Giants Orion, the mutiny, um, Eli Serge, uh, KB6, uh, all those guys I just mentioned, including Sean, are in the Loot Academy this year uh, mm -hmm. with Jacques show. So I imagine we'll probably see some of those guys make their AEW debut at some point this year as well. So that's really exciting to see that for all of them. The the, uh, the Loot Academy was definitely something that I think started off with not tons behind it, not a lot of hype, but really it started to uh, get more as it went going and to at the end, you know, being able to go down to QT school, training there, getting the grand prize, you know, all of that, like, it's a great opportunity and something that I think can definitely help independent wrestling in Canada. Yeah, I, yeah, I would 100% agree with you there. I mean, uh, what Jacques Rougeau is doing and uh, QT Marshall, just, uh, you know, kind of helping Canadians get on the map a little bit is, I mean, super helpful. We haven't had those types of uh, bridges before. Um, I mean, if we did, I mean, I think there'd be a lot more Canadian wrestlers out there, but it's, uh, it's nice to see that there's these bridges now so that there's more opportunities for Canadian wrestlers to kind of showcase what they can do, what they're all about. So yeah, definitely, a definitely a great thing for everybody. When you had your first match, I mean, first off, I want to ask about it, you know, who it was with your thoughts going into it, and just how you were feeling before it. Uh, yeah, really nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a jitterbug as it is. Uh, I just get butterflies with any type of sporting stuff, but, uh, 
It was uh, April 22nd. It was a rookie sports bar for CWE. It was against Adam Knight. And it was like this uh, outlaw challenge thing. So Dragneel got thrown out first and got beat up really bad. Poor, poor, poor guy. <laughs> and, um, I went out there and didn't do much better. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so it, it was, you know, it was a great experience. I had uh, a bunch of family and friends in the crowd and, you know, they were super supportive and, um you know it was a really good experience uh i think i did get knocked out in that match so it was yeah uh, welcome to wrestling kid no kidding <laughs> yeah so uh it was yeah it was a good experience <laughs> rookie sports bar isn't the you know isn't like where you where you would imagine making your wrestling debut but you know what it was uh something i'll definitely treasure forever is is a great night <laughs> for sure I, i've only been to a few shows there but i mean it is definitely something else yeah it's different <laughs> <laughs> um now i want to ask because i mean you started off wrestling under a different name how did yeah. sweet daddy soul come to be oh my daughter actually yeah um yeah jeremy joseph just my name uh mm -hmm. but uh that was how it started and then i got injured uh which was just like a football related injury from before that didn't get fixed and uh, i think i sat out for about eight months and I came back and right before i came back i uh had a few uh traveling experiences i guess i'll just call them as a couple excursions with friends and stuff and um my daughter was with me and um you know, she would always call me like her sweet daddy. So, um, it's kind of funny. Uh, she one day she just goes, "Oh, my sweet daddy, my sweet." Daddy. She was like singing a song. She's a really goofy kid. Um, mm -hmm. at that time, anyway, she's more of a teenager now and not not goofy anymore, right? Because she's too cool for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, back then, anyway, she said this, said this, said this, and um. I just uh, always connected to the word soul because I used to uh, be a sleepwalker. I had a lot of like weird out of body experiences as a kid and just medical problems and stuff. So, um, yeah, I was always kind of connected to the word soul. So I just kind of like put this little name my daughter gave me and that together. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. Here's a gimmick. Mm -hmm. um, sweet daddy. And it's kind of just like evolved into where i'm at now which i feel like i've gone like probably 10 steps with the the whole character at this point but uh yeah that's that's pretty much uh the origin of it is just my dad or her daughter just being uh, really goofy and saying sweet daddy all the time me just putting word soul at the end of it next thing you know you got a gimmick going for yourself <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> it was it was not meant to be that way but uh, uh yeah, whatever it w went with it it stuck so now, I mean, you started off wrestling, you know, basically out of Winnipeg, CWE, PCW, yeah. wrestled all through the prairies. I have to ask how a kid from Winnipeg ends up making his trek down to Mexico for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't in my plans or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, well, AJ went down to Mexico. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I got like introduced into like oh so you know people go and do that down there like i didn't really know when i got in like how things worked i didn't really understand the business at all i was really naive to everything it's just kind of like oh this is really cool it's like a, an exotic circus world that i had no, no clue what it was about um but uh you know aj kind of 
you know, just searching up his stuff when I went to go train with him. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is kind of cool. So, I mean, the thought was there. But uh, 2018, I moved from uh, Winnipeg to uh, Calgary. And it wasn't sure, shortly there after that that I went to Storms, Lance Storm School. And I was there for two sessions. Uh, just, uh, I guess, a little plug. I was there when uh, I trained with Dominic Mysterio. So I got to know him really well. And oh, wow. obviously really cool seeing what's going on in WWE right now with him. But uh, that was the class that I was a part of. Um, so I actually got to be involved in a little TV series called uh, Paper Champions as well. But fast forwarding to uh, the Mexico trip, um, I guess meeting Dominic kind of like really made me think about it and meeting Rey Mysterio that time. And then after I finished with Lance, I was kind of like, well, I want to keep training, but, you know, there was really no school still at the time in Canada. I mean, he said to me, you know, go to Tyson Dukes. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. But I was like, I trained with you. So it's kind of like, well. I feel like that's kind of along the same lines if I go to Tyson. I was like, I kind of want to try some new stuff. Uh, Just kind of build a base for myself. And uh, ironically enough, going to Mexico, you learn how to base, which is a super important uh, technique for every everything when it comes to Lucha Libre. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it just kind of came up. I had a friend that went down there and he was like, hey, you should come. And it was like February 2020. And so, you know, I booked booked a ticket and I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And uh, yeah, I get there. And <laughs> the day I'm leaving, I look on the TV, NBA season canceled. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm going to board this flight anyway. So I go down there and a week later, of course, the whole world's shutting down. Yeah. And I just literally had a plan of going there for about a month and a half, two months. My friend had some stuff lined up and with that all happening, man, it just kind of just kept me there. Like I it got stuck essentially. Mm-hmm. So I was bouncing around, which in, in a country where I did not speak the language, I did not really know anybody. Like I met a couple of Mexicans up in Canada that I worked with in 2018, but I didn't know anybody. Right. Like, you know, you're down there in the country, there's a pandemic. You're like, uh, I don't know anybody. The flights are shut down. I can't even leave this hotel right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to wear a mask everywhere. And they're asking me for ID. And if I'm a Canadian, they're giving me all kinds of trouble. So I'm just not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And uh, that literally just kept me there. And um, I just committed to just kind of being like, okay, like I guess this is my life now. I'm here. <laughs> and um, this is the way it's going. So uh, I was there for six months. Mm-hmm. straight and then i finally came back up to canada and i wasn't sure if i was going to go back but um you know i met so many cool people during that six month period i met uh geez like who's who in lucha libre like i mean bandito and i mean everyone that he's connected to flamita and imperadores teca and latigo and commander and all these guys are big big stars right now i mean i I got to go and train with a lot of these guys get to know them and kind of get embedded into the lucha libre culture and sky dan ricky marvin or my true trainers i got into uh training with pretty quickly uh but i mean three months there i didn't even have anywhere to go like Mm -hmm. i mean i couldn't even really like go to a grocery store and stuff it was really 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 tough so um I know I'm going to probably extend what you asked me. It's like this massive story. So please cut me off at any point. That's okay. um, 
it was just, you know, it was just pretty crazy. Like, uh, I finally, um, you know, bouncing around from Airbnbs, uh, different neighborhoods, uh, getting sick constantly because I had celiac disease. So that was just really, really, really tough for me. But, um, you know, over time, you know, I just kept meeting people and then people would introduce me to these places and I'd, you know, find different gyms or find different trainers to go and train with. And, you know, shortly thereafter, uh, things started to kind of open up, but it wasn't until I came back because I went to Canada for about a month and a half and then came back. And that's kind of when things really took off. I started Mm -hmm. doing shows and, and stuff like that, but, uh. I'll, I'll leave I'll leave that part of it. So let, let's talk again there. <laughs> like, because I remember when, you know, the world basically shut down. You know, I remember watching, you know, the NBA season being canceled. You know, I can't remember which basketball player it was that joked about coughing on all the mics. You know, I remember watching that. But then to think like what we dealt with, you know, being in Canada and like the uncertainty of it all. And we live here, but to be in a completely different country, don't you don't speak the language and you're, you know, basically an outsider there. And I can't imagine what that was like, you know, like my anxiety, just as you talking through, it's going through the roof. Oh yeah. It's, it's just the things I saw, you know, um, yeah, I went through my first earthquake, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and that was just crazy. I mean, for anybody that's Canadian that's going to listen or watch, like, earthquakes are no joke. Like, uh, you know, I'm just in a, in a convenience store across from where I had an apartment. And I go in the convenience store, and then this lady just looks at me, and she's like, and starts running. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, looking around, and everybody's just running. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go follow the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, kind of feeling the ground a little bit, but not too much. And then I... uh I, I went outside where everybody's standing around. And they're kind of just standing. And I'm like, okay. I took one step and I just literally like felt like I was in the matrix. Like everything just shifted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I almost tripped on my face. <laughs> like I was just like, whoa. And I grabbed like one of those, uh, it was like steel little pillars that stop you from driving in the places. Yeah. And I just put my hand there and I just remember like my body's just moving around like this and like looking around and I'm hearing like electrical circuits just like blow up. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is crazy. And uh, yeah, that was, that was my first earthquake experience there 2020. And just, yeah, it was just nuts. Um, so just like the huge culture shock, you know, mm-hmm. um, just those little things uh, that were going on. And then of course, all the crazy stuff, the masks and, you know, the constantly having to use the hand sanitizers, you know, people chasing you to use them. Just, just crazy. I here, I know like basically everything shut down, you know, there was no shows going on, no sports, nothing. Was it the same down in Mexico as well? Yeah. So for the most part, um, in Mexico, it did shut down like completely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of rogue Lucha Libre shows going on. Like my gym that I found eventually, I mean, it was open the whole time. But it was in a part of Mexico City that's called Tapito, which is, I mean, like the worst area that you can think of. So the police don't really go over there. So don't really you know, check on things, essentially. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's where I was. And that's where they kind of had like the first show back. And that was, was really crazy. <laughs> Nobody's wearing masks, just bananas. Everything's going <laughs> crazy. 
it was just like, uh, whoa, it's like a little peek into the past for a sec there. I remember when they had that show and then they didn't have any more for a while. Um, and then I remember when I did my first show, they were only allowed, I think, like 40 people mm-hmm. at the show. So there was some uh, restrictions in regards to how many people were allowed in the building when they first started having shows back in uh, Mexico. Um, and then I think it was like 2021, like April, that it just got rid of everything and people just started, you know, being allowed to just show up and not have to necessarily wear masks or um they didn't really care about how many people were there they were letting sellouts happen like i remember 2021 in march i made my debut at arena lopez mateos which is uh notoriously um known for booking talent from AAA and cmll um not against each other but they'll have cmll talent on a card one night maybe they'll have a triple a card one night and I got to be on a show with uh, Caristico, who's now Mystico again. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the main eventer. And it was a sellout. There was 2,300 people there um, in this arena. And, I mean, there was doctors. They were doing COVID testing. But uh, there was just, yeah, they didn't have any limit over the capacity. But they were, they were literally checking all the wrestlers to make sure that they did not have COVID. Mm-hmm. so it's like it just it was weird it was weird mexico is kind of weird anyway like some of the rules <laughs> so um you know that, apparently they just banned smoking yesterday i don't know if that's really true but i don't know wow i anytime like i'm able to like go and watch like footage from mexico i mean i because i've queued up like the bandito Vi- uh vikingo match from like bandito's gym you know and seeing yeah them wrestle in like basically a gymnasium you know and just like fans are all on top of each other and going in mm-hmm. and out it's like it's quite the visual yeah um there's a lot of really interesting arenas there bandito's gym is just literally just a big gym mm-hmm. and um they really make it look like a really cool venue um when they get it all set up for show days and they do some other types of stuff too like you know, they've done like bodybuilding competitions and stuff like that. And, you know, Bandito's a really smart guy. So he's always thinking of new ways to promote the gym and get people through the door. Um, so, yeah, like just the various different arenas in Mexico City alone. I mean, yeah, I wish we had stuff like that up in Canada. It's just so cool to yeah. wrestle in those arenas and just the history that goes into those buildings and the people that have worked in those buildings. I mean, I was always kind of just mesmerized every time I got an opportunity to wrestle in a new arena and learn about the history and who had been there before me and all that. And I mean, I mean, you name it, there's so many there. I mean, that are so famous and just, just to throw a couple out there, like getting to wrestle in a sellout crowd at arena Azteca Budokan, the Moreno family uh, who have all wrestled in Japan and, been everywhere um i mean that was a really really cool experience i mean and dr wagner you know Mm -hmm. getting to meet him um getting to wrestle with him and his son and you know just all the other people there is really really interesting this is totally different than what we're accustomed to in canada it's completely different environment Mm -hmm. um and uh arena nicolpan i mean that was uh the arena that uh you've probably seen a lot of highlights from sean moore on (laughs) (laughs) they're quite a few there (laughs) the good ones uh but um yeah i mean that's where nacho libre 
the main event for Nacho Libre was filmed. So, I mean, just little things like that. I mean, that I know all the Canadian guys when they came down really appreciate because we all grew up watching Nacho Libre. Yeah. We can all kind of go and tell our family members, hey, I got to wrestle in that arena. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool. (laughs) You had mentioned basically, you know, being almost a facilitator of being able to allow Canadian wrestlers to make their way down to Mexico. How how did that come come about? Uh, well, pretty much. I uh, I had an Airbnb business um, with my uh, ex girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, basically we just um, you know started out with three bedrooms, um, small apartment. When I met her, as uh, just a small little Airbnb, and um, I just had this idea about bringing people wrestlers down to train in mexico i thought it was a really good business plan and business model so um just started investing money um i had the uh the serve money coming in mm-hmm. um so i used some of that to uh invest into uh this business um so i think it was about four four six months of it was getting money from uh, the Serb and I used it all just to push this business. <laughs> so it was pretty much uh, went from three bedrooms to a uh, rooftop patio, which had two bedrooms and a kitchenette and all this stuff. And uh, then it turned into another building, which evolved into basically at the end of it, uh, like 18 private rooms and 12 hostel beds. Holy so shit. it was just massive, uh, yeah. it was massive operation which uh still going today actually it's uh, still still going pretty strong but um uh basically that was the facilitator for facilitating all that so um i sent a message up on uh just facebook uh the groups and a bunch of canadians that i had met pretty much except for like two of them um um inquired and uh you know we matched them up in bedrooms and stuff like that and was no guarantee on getting on shows really because things were kind of picking up at that point, but they weren't necessarily like full blown picked up and the pay was just real tough at that time. I mean, we weren't, we weren't getting anything really. So it was a restart time, but uh, we got lucky and managed to get some really good exposure. Um, I got everybody set up on shows uh, prior to getting there. Essentially I managed to get some things going. So um but initially, it was not. It was just planned to be, hey, come down and train. Mm-hmm. It just kind of evolved into, oh, we're on a bunch of shows. And then some people started getting on shows on their own and getting their own contacts. And uh, just kind of snowballed from there. And then uh, initially, there was nine Canadians. So we did some Canada versus Mexico tournaments and stuff like that. I think we ended up doing five or six shows together. A couple of them were on TV. Um did uh some big news uh outlets uh Mafia, which has got like i think about five million subscribers across the board uh-huh. on their social media very very well known for covering lucha in mexico um so yeah all this all this exposure and stuff and you know it's just uh thanks to some contacts that i had people down there that were already helping me out um you know putting pointing me in the right direction uh, i've been working really hard on my spanish so that really helped me connect um, a lot of other things um, just by having conversations with people I normally wouldn't have because I only had the English. Mm-hmm. And by 2021 summer, I 
pretty much had my Spanish down completely, which was to me surprising because I didn't expect to be able to communicate that fast, but I was, and that's what really helped. Um, had I not been able to communicate in their language, <laughs> I'd probably not <laughs> been able to set up as many things as I did. And uh, definitely with the help of my ex-girlfriend too, who was a fluent Spanish speaker and, and, a, and a Mexican. And uh, that was really, really helpful to have all those different uh, supports around to be able to make it all happen for everybody. I love the fact that there was people down there who were willing to, you know, help out. You make contacts and like you're giving, you know, Canadian wrestlers the opportunity to go down there and to almost introduce a whole new skill set for themselves to better themselves all through everyone being like, you know, the friendships you've made, the acquaintances and all of that. I think it's just a great thing for wrestling in general. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, 100% agree with you. Um, you know, it's like what Jacques, Jacques Rougeau is doing right now. It's like kind of the next step, you know, trying to help Canadians get down to the States, uh, which is typically very hard because, I mean, you got to have a visa and stuff, but at least with, with Jacques, you know, facilitating some of that, that's, you know, it's nice to see more avenues like that happening. And, with some of these uh, cheap flights I'm here in Europe uh, sending our way now with this new airline and stuff, it sounds like the rest of the world's going to start to open up for Canadians too. So it's really positive uh, things going forward. It looks like. Mm -hmm. um, now I wanted to ask, I mean, you made your way back to BC afterwards. What was it about the West coast that drew you there? Oh, wow. Oh, uh, so I did play football out there, uh, but okay. for the Okanagan Sun Junior Football Club. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of friends, a lot of friends out there. Uh, or Sorry, I should say out here. <laughs> That's where <laughs> I am right now. Uh, so, yeah, it's just lots of friends out here. Um, the climate. My wife is from Mexico. She's pregnant. And um, the climate is uh, a lot better out here than it yeah. is the rest of Canada. <laughs> um and it's also really nice because there's direct flights to Mexico city from Vancouver. So mm. that makes things a lot easier when we're trying to go back and forth and just for uh, my kid. And uh, it's better to be born here and you know, get mm. the Canadian paperwork and stuff like that. Just having those advantages later on in life. Um, want to make sure I do that the right way. So it's a lot harder when you're born in Mexico and you come back up and, can be a bit bit of a tricky situation, so I uh, definitely chose uh, BC for that reason. Um, uh, well, in Canada, going back up to Canada in general, uh, but um, I mean, for myself, it's been quite a while. I mean, I've been gone quite a, quite a long time here now, and um, you know, my family, my mom, and my cousins, and family, and everybody's getting a little bit older and stuff now, and I'm not exactly a spring chicken anymore when I started, so. <laughs> I'm uh, looking forward to uh, being up here in the Pacific Northwest now and uh, kind of making this like my my home base. Mm -hmm. But uh, come over to Manitoba and come back home to do stuff is something that's really important to me too. So just being able to be here and being able to go to Manitoba on a cheap flight is, is really convenient. Mm hmm um, I wanted to talk about uh, the the scene out in BC because I mean I've had many many guests from BC and it's honestly it just seems like such a hotbed for wrestling right now whether you're on the island or on the mainland it's you've got so many different promotions all running shows I mean you have you know places that'll run lucha esque shows I mean you've been a part of some of those and just like overall it just seems like it's just on another level almost you know compared to some places in Canada. 
that's funny you mentioned that. I was talking to a couple people about that over the weekend. And um, the Pacific Northwest is, I mean, we're talking North America right now. It's probably the hottest territory in North America. I mean, mm-hmm. just what's going on. And you got you see the type of guys that are over here. You know, go go even watch some of those AEW dark matches from some of the guys in the Pacific Northwest when they're out out this way. You can see the quality and in, in the work in in these guys and their performances. Um, you know, they're they're all really really good and have I would say polished in a lot of ways. Like, um, and I think you know you can credit that to what's what's going on with the wrestling schools out here. I mean. Everybody's training really hard. Everybody's, uh, you know, taking part in seminars. Um, you know, there's schools that are open seven days a week, uh, especially in BC. I mean, there's certainly no shortage of places to go and train. Um, and I mean, that's what also helps the product get better when people are in there and actually working on their craft. And I mean, maybe that wasn't like that before. And that's not to shade anybody like in the past or anything, but it's just uh, it's a better time frame like it is for you know, Canadian football players mm-hmm. uh, trying to play in the NCAA. Like we've just upped our game in Canada as far as our training is concerned and our dieting and the things that we're doing to try to improve as athletes. And I think that goes for what's happening in the wrestling scene right now too, is just there's more of a focus on the important things that go into uh, being the best version of a uh, performer that you could be. Mm-hmm. With with that said, I mean, you mentioned, you know, like with uh, Canadian football players going to the NCAA, all that sort of stuff. What would you like to see come out of wrestling here in Canada? Definitely some televised uh, programming. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said for what Netflix and some of these other streaming services um, are doing now. Um you know, we're seeing the documentary side of wrestling a little bit. I think it's kind of come to its halt, though, mm-hmm. in a sense, because, I mean, just taking like what's going on with like The Rock and like his story, Young Rock, like he's kind of pumping out all these different uh, stories from back in the day. People love seeing that stuff. They love learning about like the ins and outs of what's going on around the ring and you know, it's it's no different than like kind of like the Jersey Shore type of era when when we start seeing that kind of come around, people are really interested in seeing about what these people's lives are like and like how they got into it. Like you're asking me stuff on a on a podcast right now. Like there's a lot of the same question. People they want to hear these things. These mm-hmm. are the kind of questions that people want to ask that they're sitting at home. They're like, I would really like to know this or know this. And it's like you're asking those questions. So people get a chance to see your product, get to see that. But I think like with Netflix and Amazon prime and all those others, like there's going to come a time for wrestlers here soon to be focused in on some of these types of stories because they're looking for content like that. Mm -hmm. And people really want to know like what's going on. What are people thinking? Why are they doing this job? Why do they care? Why would they go and kill themselves for, a couple hundred bucks, like, <laughs> and people want to learn about this. Uh, so I think we're just in an era where that stuff is being um, just showcased a lot and people are becoming more and more interested. And uh, I mean, it really does help with AEW being a secondary company out there for people to see um, another another side or a different type of product in wrestling. And yeah. we got a, a lot of others too. 
So, I mean, the independents, I think, are the most unique thing, though. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many stories. There's just so many places you can go. And I mean, with some of the traveling I've done, like uh, Puerto Rico, like just going to a show or some of the things you'll see or just the stuff's got to be documented. Like it's just hundred uh, percent. I got stories of that. Just, I could, I could never repeat on a podcast, but like <laughs> you could certainly put it in like a Netflix show and like retell it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And give it a spin. Like, uh, so that that's kind of where my mind goes is that I'm like, there's a lot of things that they're going to do. And I mean, we're just seeing the infancy of that right now, I think. Now, I do have to ask, I mean, you mentioned that there weren't some stories about Puerto Rico you could tell. Are there any that you could share with us? Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I mean, I could I could share. <laughs> I could share one, I guess. Um, so, Port, Puerto Rico is a funny place. Um you know it's interesting because it's it, it's uh it's puerto rico but it's the united states mm-hmm. so you got americans that'll come down there and um well they just assume it's america and everybody speaks english well, it's not really the case so, <laughs> um i'm like uh i'm in a corner store or whatever and uh this is kind of like the first time i'm like exposed to like americans in puerto rico and how they don't think it's America, and anyways, so I'm I'm going to pull out cash, and the the machine's not working. So I asked if I get cash back, and the uh, the guy does not speak any English at all. Mm-hmm. So I gotta go. I gotta speak Spanish. So no problem. I do, and uh, he's like, you know, we don't have cash back, but there's another ATM just down the street. If you want to go and use that one, it should be working. So I'm like, okay, well. I'm a, like about to leave out of the store and, and these three girls, uh, three ladies, I should say, go up to the till and, and they're very loud, and obnoxious people. Um, I'll just say that. And uh, they start talking to this guy and he, obviously they don't understand a word he's saying. Mm-hmm. And they start arguing with him like and, and these are three really strong black ladies. I'll just say that. So they, they got very loud voices and this guy starts getting intimidated. Okay, they're yelling at him like they needed directions to get somewhere or something. But I I couldn't even really make much of it because they're yelling so loud and that southern accent. Like I don't know it. Like I I just (laughs) Mm -hmm. this and that and y'all and you and what. (laughs) I had no idea what she was saying. But anyways, this guy got felt so threatened. He he literally picked up a candy bar and threatened to throw it at this lady. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is going on here? <laughs> These three black ladies, they run out the store, and they're screaming down the street, like, this ain't America. This ain't America. I don't speak no damn Spanish. All this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. So they, I'm like, I, I can't be seen. I, I got to get out of here. I go to take a right, and these ladies turn around. They're like, hey. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> So they start asking me for like directions and all this stuff, where to go get alcohol. And I'm like, I'm not from here. Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, like I'm, I'm from Canada, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you from Canada? Oh, my God. I've never met nobody from Canada. And they start asking me for pictures and all this <laughs> stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, where am I right now? Yeah. Then they invite me over to their house. So I ended up going to their house with them. And then I think uh, we ended up hanging out with them the, the entire night, me and my buddy. And uh, just the three of the funniest ladies I ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I met them in a, in a in a in a store, literally just trying to ask to get cash, and uh, they end up, get, end up getting a fight with the dude who don't even speak English, and he's like <laughs> throwing a ready to throw a candy bar at them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just it was a lot of stuff like that. It's just yeah. a lot of touristy uh, type situations where you meet people who are just really really drunk, having a really good time, and are in Puerto Rico for the weekend. So. A lot of what goes on there is uh, crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's just not repeatable, you know. Like, <laughs> just a lot of crazy people, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Well, I mean, you'll be making your return back to Manitoba coming up. I mean, what what does that mean for you to make your return here? I mean, you got three shows ahead of you. I think the first match is a ladder match, which, I mean, what a way to kick off the uh, the weekend with that. How, yeah. how do you feel heading into that? Yeah, no, I'm I'm real excited. Uh, you know, I I got to meet a couple of those guys uh, before Chad Daniels. I'm excited to get to work with Chad. Um, he's a young guy who's uh, definitely making a name for himself, Manitoba, mm-hmm. doing well for himself. And um, you know, I've never held the title in CWE, so um, you know, coming home, you know, there's uh, there's five other guys I got to worry about, but. Uh, there's one title hanging above the ring that's uh, got my name on it. So, sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got to say about that ladder match. Everybody that's uh, in Winnipeg um, that hasn't seen me wrestle or maybe did see me wrestle when I first started, you're definitely not going to want to miss this because uh, I've been away for a while. But what I've been doing um, in my years away, um, I don't think anybody's really got to see any of that yet because I've only been sprinkling doses along uh my pathway back home so but uh you know we got that one first uh right in my neck of the woods right down the street where i went to high school at elmwood um so really looking forward to that and then i faced mentalo in morden um for the cwe heavyweight title so uh mentalo being a former cmll star and a guy who's been to mexico trained in mexico spent a lot of time down there um you know, I really look forward to wrestling him, working with him. Probably biggest match of my career, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least as far as uh, who he is to me this is my biggest match of my career. Um, I've wrestled a lot of guys in Mexico. A lot of people say, oh, wow, that's that's a big name to wrestle. But, I mean, in Canada, Menslow's man. So, yeah. uh, I'm really looking forward to working with him and, um, you know, showing what I've got. And, you know, uh, I got a few tricks up my sleeve, so I look forward to uh, taking another belt. That's two titles, right? Yeah, you, you could be leaving okay. Winnipeg with at least two titles. All right, all right. Well, who said I was going to leave? Maybe I'll be hanging around for a little bit. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, uh, you never know. You never know. But uh, And then the last night we're in Dauphin, mm-hmm. uh, and I get to uh, go in there and tussle with my uh, old training mate there, Mr. Kevin O'Doyle. So I'm looking forward to that and tagging with Mensel as well. And Sean Moore, I've met him in the ring before. Uh, whooped his ass a couple of times already. So, you know, Sean, we know each other well enough, don't we? 
It should be a good weekend of wrestling. And I hope anyone, whether you're in Winnipeg, Morden, or Dauphin, head out there to check out the shows because they should be a blast. Absolutely. I mean, uh, CWE always bringing the best wrestling entertainment in Manitoba, I believe. Unless anybody else has anything to say about it. I mean, I don't really know who's running uh, shows around there these days. So I guess I'm about to find out, though. Um, now, I like to ask everyone for a match recommendation. One that you think the listener should go check out. Just a match that you're a fan of. Ah, well, I think one of my most recent ones. I wish I could uh, share something from Victoria, but uh, unfortunately those haven't aired on Shaw yet. Uh, but uh, if you go um, YouTube, uh, Sweet Poppy Pachuco. Uh, I got a match uh, from St. Louis on there. Um, a show that uh, actually Haku and the Barbarian were on. Um, it was a really fun event. But uh, it's a main event match there uh, against El Diablo and another guy. I can't even remember his name. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's a really fun match. Uh, a nice, uh, nice rowdy crowd. Um but a little bit of a uh, little bit of my wrestling, a little bit of my uh, charisma, and some uh, some fun stuff in that match to watch for sure. Perfect. Now, for those listening, if they're not following you on social media or anything like that, where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Instagram, Sweet Daddy Soul. Um, I usually put up uh, everything in my stories. Um, so if you're looking to follow me on there, just follow my stories, watch my stories. Always adding stuff for my events, different moves uh d- different matches different clips all types of stuff uh my facebook soul poppy pachuco um it's uh got pretty much everything from my matches uh to the entrance music i'm using to my entrance videos different clips different moves and stuff that i do and where i'm going to be wrestling next always always uh posting those as soon as i uh get any of the uh, posters from the promoters i'm putting them up right away so you can reach me on those too on facebook and uh, instagram i also do have a tiktok but uh my daughter hasn't really taught me how to use it very well yet so <laughs> i'm just uh getting caught up on that <laughs> you beat me to it with the facebook one because i was going to ask about upcoming shows but i mean for anything you can just go check out the facebook yes sir yeah Perfect. all the information's on there definitely perfect sweet daddy soul thank you so much for joining me i truly appreciate it Yeah, man. Thank you so much, too. Look forward to meeting you, too. Thank you so much to Sweet Daddy Soul for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. If you're able to, on the 27th, 28th, or 29th, Winnipeg, Morden, or Dauphin, definitely make your way to the CWE show. Check out CWE. Check out Sweet Daddy Soul. And enjoy some great local wrestling. Thank you to him. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. Um, email GrainmakerPodcast at gmail.com. Up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. And up on all podcast streaming platforms. Um, Apple, Spotify, Google, if there's one that I'm not up on that you think I should be on, just let me know. I'll do my best to get up on there. And I've got t-shirts available, 25 bucks a piece. You can look very fashionable in your very own Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. So hit me up, send me a message, or go to whatamaneuver.net, search Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, and you can grab one off there. Be mindful, though. It's easier to grab one from me, cheaper shipping. But uh, whatever uh, whatever you're feeling, head that way. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.